0: I'm Grant.
1: And I'm Elena. And
0: welcome to History Honey. The
1: podcast where a married couple teaches each other about cool stuff in the past.
0: Uh, but why don't we talk a little bit about the very near future? Okay. Like this coming weekend. This
1: coming weekend.
0: Saturday the 2nd of uh September. 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 Yes. Uh is summer's gone. Is this year's Gextra life stream?
1: Oh boy.
0: Now, if you weren't with us last year, this might be brand new to you. Uh We, along with a pair of our friends, are going to be streaming video games for 24 hours. Yes,
1: we are crazy people.
0: Soliciting donations for Hurley Children's Hospital in Flint, Michigan.
1: Mm -hmm. And Flint is the place with the lead in their water.
0: One of many, unfortunately. Yes. yes.
1: The big one right now. Big big one.
0: The one where we're from, From, actually. yeah, Yeah, yeah. So we've got a schedule of 30 games. You can find it at gextra.life. Trust me, your browser will recognize that as a URL. It's
1: magical. It's magical how that works.
0: And that's also where you can donate. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got... Prizes to be raffled off, some of which we're making later today. Yes,
1: yes. Many craftier things happening. And but
0: some we'll be making on the stream, live while while we play.
1: Yes. And donations can be anything mm-hmm. from a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, more. I don't know if you have more, but don't feel like it's too little. Every. every- bit helps.
0: Every bit gets uh, all put together and, and wound up in one big package for Hurley. And uh, last year, our total was uh, apparently the largest single private donation they ever received. Yes. And this year, we're looking to top it. We have a goal yes. of $30,000. Yes.
1: And let's point out last year, our initial goal was $2,500. Mm-hmm. And we reached 29000 So we can totally do 30,000.
0: Absolutely. We with your help, with your support, we can get there. Uh, so again that's gextra.life. We hope to see you during the stream. Uh, but the the least you can do if even if you're not able to to spare a buck or 5 or whatever from your budget, mm-hmm. spread the links around, get more eyeballs, get more people involved. Yes. Because it'll keep us awake and thriving during the stream.
1: Yes, yes. It it definitely helps when you get to, like, hour 20.
0: Mm-hmm. And the more people we have, the, the more donations we're going to raise.
1: Yes. So please pass on the word.
0: It's all about those sick kids in Flint. Yep. And a little bit about Gex.
1: A little bit. A little bit. Little bit.
0: <laughs> but back to the show at hand. Uh-huh. Darling, what are we going to talk about today?
1: Well, we are going to talk about something I, uh... Very much enjoy. Yeah. And there's a little song that goes with it.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, you might know it, so you should join along. Okay. Okay, goes. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me.
0: We pillage, we, we plunder, plunder, we, we rifle, rifle and loot. Drink up,
1: me yo ho. We,
0: we kidnap and, and ravage and don't give a, a hoot. Drink up, me yo ho. We, we did this. We already sang this exact song like so? a year ago. So? So we can't talk about the Magic Kingdom twice.
1: Oh, I mean, we totally could. I could totally dig up another episode on that. But that's not what we're talking about. Oh. Yeah. So what do you think we might be talking about? Actual pirates? Yes.
0: Perhaps in the actual Caribbean? Yeah. All right. So save me from my suspense. I need to know yeah. exactly what is our topic.
1: Our topic is the what is considered the golden age of piracy.
0: Yeah, back when the, the loot was plentiful.
1: There were lots of them. Yeah. Lots of pirates. Back when
0: things weren't so darn PC.
1: Uh back when Yeah, there was a lot of pillaging and plundering and not giving a hoot.
0: Yeah, the the golden age. Yeah.
1: It's also the age when um that is most commonly used in pirate Things so movies Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean, all those things. It's this time period. Treasure
0: Island. Treasure. Yes. It was not written about uh, Somalians in motorboats today.
1: No. 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 Uh, so the golden age of piracy uh, typically spans from like the 1650s to 1730s. Mm-hmm. within within that time frame, and there's like really three main. Like eras of piracy within there Or pirates and their history is very very big mm-hmm. Lots of things Depending on the geographical area There's many different things going on Time period, many things going on Anytime um,
0: there's somebody in a boat Taking things that don't belong to them
1: There's so much stuff
0: That, d- that would cover a wide range
1: So there's definitely stuff we're going to be not covering today We're going to focus a bit more on uh, These three eras We have the buccaneering period, Mm -hmm. uh, which was from like 1650 to 1680.
0: Ruled by Captain Clare's doing piercings for a buccaneer.
1: I love you. I'm trying to not slap you right now.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm moving on.
1: Uh-huh. It, it did not cost a buck a year to get these done.
0: <laughs> well, there's been a lot of inflation since 1650. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, well, what if you wanted, like, a fancier earring? Is so it just flat buck anything?
0: They were very democratic, these pirates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could get, like,
1: the fancy, like, diamond-studded thing for the same cost as just, like, plain...
0: So, what's the second, uh, part of the, the golden age of piracy? You
1: need to figure out your jokes more. Uh, so then there's also the, uh, pirate round.
0: And that's when they all sang that song, but staggered, starting at different times.
1: Exactly! hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Around the 1690s.
0: It was a long song. It took a whole decade.
1: And then there was, uh, the era of, like, the post Spanish, Spanish succession. Was there 1716 to, like, 1726. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're paying really close attention to those dates, obviously, like, they don't all overlap, and there's a little bit of open space there. Pirates did exist within those times not mentioned as well. Mm-hmm. Just these, kind of how they group them together. So, we are going to start with buccaneering. Uh,
0: you're giving me a look like you're pro- trying to stop me from saying something.
1: Yo, you gave me a look. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna look like yes, what are you gonna tell me about a buccaneering?
0: Yeah, what are you gonna tell me about <laughs> buccaneering?
1: Well, they weren't always a buck. It was like a lie, like the the uh non-Dollar Tree stores, like Dollar Generals, those oh, are a lie it? where it's actually like five dollars, ten dollars. Yeah. It's totally false advertising.
0: Mm-hmm. Beaten switchoneering.
1: Yep, yep, yep. The 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 term buccaneer did originate actually from, uh, the name of a frame. That's the used, name
0: of the frame.
1: Used to smoke meat, <laughs> uh, that hunters got, killed, brought back, smoked. This was in the era of, or areas of Tortuga and Hispaniola. Yola. Yola. Yola! Yola! only lived once! Yup. Okay. Uh,
0: that's the island that the Dominican Republic and Haiti are on.
1: I could say those better. Just <laughs> gonna say uh, hunters in the area, the French and others who were there were driven out uh, of the areas by the Spanish, mm-hmm. uh, who you know were colonizing and whatnot. And uh, time after time, this happened. They'd go for one place and they'd be like driven out, go someplace else, driven out. So eventually. This caused them to turn to piracy on the Spanish.
0: Right, because they were tired of planting these frames like Johnny Barbecue seed all across the Caribbean.
1: Only to have to pack up and move. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, it was in retaliation, and also, you know, the Spanish trade is growing across the area. So, when there's trade, there's an opportunity for money making, whether legal or illegal. And because of the end on the wars of religion, uh, it allowed for a lot more focus to go into colonial empires and trade. So this was all starting to boom and mm-hmm. be bigger. By the mid-17th century, piracy raids on along the Spanish coast, along like Cuba, were growing. Uh, and the title of buccaneering was starting to be attached to what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, English settlers on Jamaica also started using the term to mean pirate.
0: Of all the ways to prepare meat, I guess that's the best one? Yeah. We got dry rubbers coming across the horizon. (laughs) Like, what? No, no, that's no good.
1: Smokers. (laughs) Smoking their meat. Here they come on their ships. It's
0: them jerky boys. Watch (laughs) out.
1: And then there was also, like, a book published in, like, 1684, that uh, used the term buccaneer to refer to pirates, and that really helped, like, kind of solidify its usage.
0: The media. Right?
1: It's always those tabloids. So, buccaneers were going after, uh, you know, Spanish ships, Mm -hmm. and uh, this started to be seen as a low-cost way for the English crown uh, to wage war on a rival.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, they
1: were like, yeah, go attack them. Cool, that means we don't have to. Yeah, it's great. Ah, uh, so the war economy. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so uh licensing buccaneers, uh, you know, with letters of mark grew in popularity. Ah, uh, so that way their actions became legal, uh, in the eyes of England and others who were licensing them out to attack. And then all they would ask for is like, well, we just want a small percentage of your, you know, booty. Your yeah. profits, but we won't go after you for doing this. <laughs> You're good. Um, so it's that, like
0: a like a protection racket. Yeah, like crooked cops getting a share of you know the the underground gambling den.
1: Yes, yes. With that, um, Buccaneers also uh, became very welcome to make port in Port Royal uh, by Jamaica's governor, and because of this, and the fact that you know they were operating under Mark. Um, it really grew Port Royal's economy. Uh, and it became one of the most thriving ports in the area. The, you know, Caribbean.
0: the Caribbean. You can just say the Caribbean. these pirates are in the Caribbean. Pirates in the Caribbean.
1: Came one of the most thriving ports for pirates in the Caribbean.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now the majority of buccaneers uh were also called privateers. Mm-hmm. Um Usually, you know, that means, like, sailing under a mark, we're not pirates, we're doing this because it's legal, we're privateers, we're privated out. Yeah. But many stuck with the traditional idea of what a pirate was, you know, pillage, plunder, at all opportunity. We'll
0: steal from anybody.
1: Disregard terms of marks, which are usually like, you could go after this, but you can't go after this equal Uh,
0: opportunity sea burglars yes
1: yes, and you know many pretending they had these letters of mark but not actually having them (laughs) um so those that were supporting the privateers though often like ignored this behavior because they're like well they're still going after rival cargo so it doesn't matter (laughs) they might be doing some other stuff that's not so great but at least they're still doing what we want them to do uh but towards the end of the 17th century uh Buccaneers started to go after French, English merchant traffic, you know, some of the places that they were hired not to go after.
0: So they they were doing so well, sort of on behalf of the the French and English colonial powers. Yes. That those people became much much more attractive targets.
1: Yeah. 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 And with this, you know, the mindset of those hiring them out started to change because now... They were a threat and not just a cheap way to keep a rival on their toes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that thing started to change a little. Uh, but that's basically the, the premise of Buccaneers. So we talked about the other era, the Pirate Round, mm-hmm. where they all sing Yep, together.
0: Pirate Arthur and his round it's, table. It's the
1: first choir. <laughs> um, no, so the Pirate Round was a sailing route.
0: Uh-huh, um,
1: from the Western Atlantic around like the southern tip of Africa through the Mozambique channel um that like stopped in Madagascar to like refit their ships and then it carried on to places like Yemen and India mm-hmm. and there were a lot of really profitable areas to stop and steal and take boats uh often with the goal of robbing the East India Company.
0: I can get behind mm-hmm. that, yeah. Yeah. Screw them. Yeah.
1: So uh, you know, the route very, very long route. It did start from many different places along uh, a variety of Atlantic ports. You know, it could have been like New York City, Bermuda, uh NASA, etc. Like any port along there it could have come from, but then they would end up on the same like
0: mm-hmm. not particularly round though.
1: Well, I mean then they would like come back. <laughs> they would come back.
0: This is not a Flat Earth podcast, so it's still pretty round. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, of course, this wasn't the beginning of, you know, piracy in those areas or like in the Red Sea or anything. This was happening, you know, for hundreds of years beforehand. Mm -hmm. But this was- Even
0: Moses had to deal with those fools.
1: Yeah. This was a time, though, when the popularity grew and Caribbean pirates and other pirates from the Atlantic were traveling there to do this. And, and, and
0: how many C's were involved in this route? I'm going to guess maybe seven. Never mind. Okay.
1: Uh, so the popularity of the pirate round, though, came from uh, a Rhode Island pirate named Thomas II. Uh, the sequel to Thomas. Yes. He sailed this route in 1693 and it was really, really successful. Um, so it led to the attraction of others. Now, what happened for him is in 1692 he got a letter of mark from the governor governor of bermuda and a privateer commissioned to destroy a french factory off the coast of west africa
0: they keep making french
1: so not very far into the trip he announced to his crew that he was planning to turn to piracy and they all were like yeah cool sounds great let's do it
0: this is your uh, <laughs> captain speaking off to the left you'll see my plans to just blow up stuff Seems like fun.
1: Woo! Uh, So when they reached the Red Sea, they encountered a ship en route from India to the Ottoman Empire. Had, like, 300 soldiers, and apparently they surrendered without much resistance. Um, There were, like, no casualties or very little mm-hmm. and uh, it said that they got 100,000 pounds in gold and silver alone not including like ivory and and jewels and fabric and anything else mm-hmm. like it's a ton of money <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's several tons of money actually it's yeah. about 50 tons of money
1: yeah uh his success when it came to getting this money and then the fact that there was very little resistance made everyone really freaking excited about this. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to do that, too.
0: It's that Yankee ingenuity.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, they're all just hopping on the bandwagon, like, let's go. Um. Now, one thing to know, though, is, you know, he he redid this route again in 1694, and it did not end well. No? No. Uh, Someone was disemboweled by a cannon.
0: That's not how I remember it.
1: Huh?
0: I think that he went into hiding and with a lot of his other pirate friends off the coast of Madagascar and built a, a pirate Disneyland, and then they all stabbed each other in the back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I learned this from Uncharted Four.
1: Yeah, that's what you think. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, no, apparently cannon through stomach. That's
0: a much more boring story. Yeah.
1: So you know the pirate round was pretty big for a while, um, but it did have a decline. And then, like, a resurgence for like two years of <laughs> <laughs> the
0: reunion tour. The yeah.
1: reunion tour. Like, let's go try this again. But its decline came probably from uh, increased protection on Indian and Arab shipping. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, the war of the Spanish Succession led to, like, you know, sailors having more opportunities uh, to go plunder legally in n- navies and. Privateer sectors. Yeah. Um, They didn't necessarily need to do it this way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, Piracy has three, like, necessary conditions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need ships worth stealing stuff from. Mm -hmm. And they need to be in uh, uh, predictable, attackable places. Mm -hmm. And they need to have light enough protection to make it worth your while.
1: Yeah. A lot of, like... The idea of what people say about pirates is that, you know, they're, they're ruthless and they're evil and they kill everything and they do that. Which I mean, yes, they, they did do some of that stuff and some (laughs) more than others, but a lot of like their tactics were to be intimidating. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have to fight. It was like. Let's put as many pirates on a ship as we can, so that way when we roll up to a merchant ship that only has, like, 30 people, and we have, like, 300, they'll be like, oh, God, no, (laughs) take my stuff, I'm going over there. Um, Sun
0: Tzu's the art of ocean thievery.
1: (laughs) Or things where, you know, they would, I think it's Blackbeard who's known for, like, lighting parts of his beard on fire. Yeah. Like, that was to intimidate. Who he was walking up to, like, freak him out and be like, oh, my gosh, this guy's beard's on fire. I'm jumping overboard.
0: And that's why Lady Gaga is the greatest modern pirate. <laughs> yeah. 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 That meat dress will freak people out.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, so that's a lot of it, too, is, you know, first off, looking for those things, the easy opportunity, the knowing where they are, but then also coming in and being like, well, we're scary, so you're just going to give us stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. We're really bad eggs.
1: (laughs) We're really bad eggs, you guys. And
0: we don't give a hoot.
1: (laughs) Try teaching that song to a whole bunch of five and six-year-olds and having to explain what pillage and plunder and rifle and loot and being bad eggs means. Like, you're bad guys. Yep, you're still bad guys. You're just mean. You're the bully. I'm sorry. There's no other way to say it.
0: (laughs) Every way to say it is in the song.
1: (laughs) Yes we're going to move on to the next uh era. Mhm. That is the post-Spanish succession. Uh so um you know between like 1713 1714 uh peace treaties were signed that ended the war the Spanish succession and thousands of uh sailors were relieved of duty including many of British uh British pi- privateers.
0: And I'm sure they just took that news Real well, like oh, <laughs> I guess we'll stop then.
1: Yeah, well, so you know, this meant not only were privateers, but like regular sailors. There were a lot of people that were very trained in what they did that were mm-hmm. just out of work. So at the same time, though, there's a boom in, um, a you know, cross Atlantic shipping.
0: Right, uh, uh, establishing new colonies on the North American mainland, mm-hmm. expanding further into Latin America, all that.
1: Yeah. So, all of this, even though, like, you know, some of them would go to the shipping, but they're still not that, like, a merchant ship doesn't need that many people. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, planning to fight. <laughs> so, a lot of people turned to piracy.
0: Are you sure? Are you sure they didn't just want to leave their their times of collecting 100,000 pounds of gold <laughs> and just take up farming somewhere in Pennsylvania?
1: Yeah, not so much. So in 1715, uh, there was a group of pirates who launched a major raid on uh, Spanish divers who were recovering gold from a sunken ship near Florida. Uh, Most of the group were English Mm ex-privateers, of course. Uh, Now, after they did this, uh, they went to Port Royal. But the governor, governor of Jamaica refused to let them spend any of their money there.
2: Ooh. Or in Port Royal.
1: They were turned away. So then they went to NASA, a town on the island of New Providence in the Bahamas. Um, so it had struggled for a long time with having, like, a governor. And then it didn't for a long time.
0: I struggle with having a governor, too. Yeah. Welcome to Illinois.
1: Yeah. So um, at the time, there wasn't a governor, and it quickly became a pirate haven. Uh, they proclaimed it a pirate republic, Ooh. and it was the main place of operation. Uh, pirates like Blackbeard, mm-hmm. um, Calico Jack. Uh, <laughs> Calico
0: Jack is my favorite kitty cat of the yeah, high seas. yeah. look at him.
1: Well, uh, Calico Jack was also joined two of the most well-known female pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed
0: Two crazy cat ladies
1: Yeah, yeah, because they have Calico Jack Yeah yeah. Uh, do, do you know much about Anne or Mary?
0: Uh, at least one of them did a lot of piracy disguised as a man
1: Both of them Both of them Both of them We're going to talk a little bit about them Now there's, there's many other women pirates out there One day I'd love to dive into all of them We're going to hear about
0: a few in our letters section
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about these two though they are two of the most famous women's pirates. Um, they, however, were not like captains or had their own ship. There are many, there are other female pirates that did. Yeah. Um,
0: Gotta break the poop deck ceiling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we'll start with Anne Bonny. So she was born in 1702 uh, in Cork, Ireland, uh, daughter of a servant mother and her mother's employer, was a lawyer. Uh, a lawyer who- employer. So Anne's father, William Cormack, uh, moved to London.
0: To get away from his baby mama.
1: Actually, it was to get away from his baby mama's family, I believe.
0: Because
1: mom came with. Okay. And Anne came with. And Anne uh, was dressed as a boy there by her father Mm -hmm. and called Andy.
0: And that's where we get the Andy Griffith show.
1: Yes. No. Uh, So when it was discovered that she was... A girl and not a boy. Uh, they decided to move, and they moved to the Providence uh, of Carolina. The
0: province of Carolina? Province,
1: not Providence. They moved to the province of Carolina. And they had a pretty rough start. Uh, her father just just had a hard time getting his business going, but eventually he did, and he got a house in town, then a plantation. Um, Anne's mother did die when she was 12. and But her father did go on to be a very successful merchant. Uh, Anne was apparently known for having quite a temper.
0: How bad could she be? uh,
1: Apparently at the age of 13, she stabbed a servant girl with a table knife.
0: Okay, that's pretty bad. I'm sure she had her reasons.
1: Uh, Who knows what that servant girl did. So she married James Bonney, a poor sailor and small-time pirate. Now, Uh, poor
0: like not wealthy or he was just bad at it?
1: He was poor, like no money. (laughs) Maybe both. Maybe both. Uh, And when she did this, Anne was disowned by her father. So between 1714 and 1718, uh, the two of them moved to Nassau. Uh, Well, there she began uh, going to local taverns and bars. Mm -hmm. And she met John Calico Jack Reckham. Mm -hmm. And he was pirate captain of um, the Revenge... And they ended up having a very intimate relationship, which led to her giving birth to a son.
0: Okay, so that's and pretty intimate. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, She divorced her husband, Mary Wreckham, and they went off as pirates. Now, Anne, with Calico Jack and Mary Reed, who we're going to talk about in a second, uh, stole a ship and put out to sea uh, and recruited a new crew and spent some years sailing around Jamaica and other areas.
0: Was the revenge not good enough for you anymore? No.
1: So Mary Reed also has like an interesting life where she was born in England um to the widow of a sea captain. Now her birth date of birth is disputed, though it's believed to be around like 1685. She was born from an affair and because of this her mother tried to hide the birth. So she disguised Mary as a boy, specifically Mary's older brother Mark, who had died shortly uh-huh. before she was born and he was only a little older than her. And this was done so Mary's grandmother would still send money to them because, to like, this was, would have been like, uh, her mom's like, her first husband's grandmother. Uh-huh. So like, wanted to keep like, yeah, your grandson's still alive. Mm-hmm. Keep sending me money. This here, this Mary, Mark person. Luke and John. Is, is your grandson. No, he didn't die. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so, and th- th- this this worked. Hooray! Uh, she dressed as a boy, and uh, they received money well into her teenage years. Well-dressed as a boy, she uh, also found work uh, as a footboy, and then later on a ship, uh, she joined the British military. Mm-hmm. Um and she was very good in battle and on the ship, um. But she ended up falling for another soldier.
2: Oh, C- came
1: clean to him like about who she was, and they married and they uh left and used their commission to acquire an inn in the Netherlands. Uh, oh, they're,
0: they're just running a pleasant little B and B together. Yeah, and then he died. Oh, yeah, then
1: he died. So she went back to uh, dressing, uh. In male clothing And um, Went into military service In Holland Um, And then All
0: those great Dutch wars
1: Well yeah, it was a time of peace And you know When there's peace and not war People aren't dying so you can't really advance So she quit And went to the West Indies Where Um, people
0: were dying all the time
1: (laughs) Well, Constantly. so there her ship was taken by pirates who for- forced her to join. Well, some say they forced her and some say they didn't. Uh, but she took a, then took like a king's pardon in 1718 like and then became a commissioned privateer until she joined her crew in mutiny against mm-hmm. the captain. Uh, in 1720, she joined Calico Jack and Anne, Bonnie, uh, who both thought she was a man.
0: She'd been practicing for all these years. Uh.
1: Yeah. So after they stole this ship, uh, she would reveal her gender to Bonnie. Mm-hmm. And now some say this is because, just because just she was like, this is what I am. I'm not mm-hmm. part of the crew. And some are also say it's because she was attracted to Anne. Mm-hmm. Anne, who was dressed as a man as well, and she didn't know, like... It's kind of the same situation she had before. Like, I've fallen for my crewmate.
0: This is my favorite sitcom.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, So then Bonnie revealed, like, oh, I'm a woman too. Then Calico Jack's all like, "I I think Anne, you there are getting, you're supposed to be with me, and you're getting too close and intimate with that man over there, and I'm not okay with this. So then Anne's like, well, no. He's a woman, too, so it's okay, Mm -hmm. don't worry.
0: And we all have to get an apartment with John Ritter, who's pretending he's gay, so it's okay. Right?
1: Like, they're just complicating stuff. (laughs) Like, guys, take a break. Um, So Bonnie and Reed were both, though, very active members of the crew. They were in combat alongside the rest of everyone. They were very respected. Uh, In October 1720... They, the crew was attacked by a king's ship. Um, Now, a little resistance came from most of the crew because they were basically too drunk to fight. (laughs) Um, But Reed and Bonnie. (laughs) Now that's tactics. Reed and Bonnie, it said, um, fought a lot and held off the troops for for a short time. It was just the two of them really fighting. Mm -hmm. Everyone else was drunk. They could only do it for so long. But they tried and they did it for a while. And uh, then they were all captured, and the entire crew was sentenced to be hanged.
0: Oh, well, yeah.
1: Uh, Reed and Bonnie, though, both pleaded uh, their bellies because <laughs> they were pregnant. I'm
0: hungry. Oh, that kind of. Yeah. Okay.
1: Not not that they're hungry, that there's a bun in the oven.
0: Oh, so then everybody can eat.
1: Yeah. So they received a temporary stay of execution uh, till they gave birth. Uh, Reed died in prison, though, most likely from... A fever from going into childbirth or something of the sort. There is no record of Bonnie being released, however, or executed.
0: She's still in prison to this day.
1: Like, she probably just, you know, died. But there's, like, crazy, like tales about like, well, maybe, maybe her father came and like ransomed her out, or maybe she returned to her first husband, or maybe she went back to piracy. But like, she probably just died, you guys. She probably just died.
0: (laughs) Stop looking for her. It's been a long time. She's
1: definitely not still alive now. So, and now, as I said, Mary Reed did die in April 1721. Uh, She was buried in St. Catherine's Church in Jamaica. And, but there's no record of the burial of her baby. Which That's
0: r- wild that she was buried in the church,
1: right? Cause like, or church cemetery. But, I mean, just so. th- that
0: she'd be allowed to be buried in hallowed ground at all. After this, this having a baby out of wedlock and living as a man, not to mention all the piracy and murder. Back
1: then, if you, like, you know, were like, I confess all my sins and Jesus and stuff, like, a lot of times they'll be like, fine, okay.
0: <laughs> well, that's how it is, because Jesus said so. That's yeah, not a back yeah. then thing.
1: There is no record though of her baby mm-hmm. being married, so either well, the, the baby died, well, you know, when she she died, wasn't born, or it was born, but taken away. Uh, don't know, though. There's no record.
0: The baby's still out there.
1: The baby's still out there. She might, she might have, you know, great, great, great grandchildren.
0: And that's where my novel starts
1: off. <laughs> yeah, it's a cu- couple of pirates that existed then. So some other things that were happening during, uh, you know, this time period is because of the soaring, you know, shipping traffic, mm-hmm. um, and the soaring amount of skilled sailors. Uh, merchant shippers were able to. Use the situation to drive down wages. There was a lot of people. People wanted work. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pay you as much because that person will work for less. (laughs) Um, So, you know, they used that to advantage to maximize their profits, uh, and they created a lot of poor working conditions, which also fueled the amount of people who turned to piracy. Uh, We also had the slave trade growing, which, unfortunately, you know, pirates... Took, too, because it was a lucrative business. Yeah, they could... It's
0: valuable cargo right there. Yes,
1: they could take them and they could ransom off slaves after they took control of the ships. Former slaves were known for joining pirate lifestyles. It's the um, pirate
0: life for them. It's
1: the pirate life for them. And, you know, there's a lot of factors there. Definitely more freedom than other places.
0: Including <laughs> legitimate sailing.
1: Yes. Um, so... It's said, though, that up to 30% of the pirates active between 1715 and 1725 were of African heritage, whether that be, you know, Africans that were taken as slaves or directly from there, etc. That's still, like, I didn't know it was that big, that large amount. And that's really um, interesting. Now we get to the decline of the golden age of piracy. Why did things decline? Why did things start to go away? So, tolerance for privateers and pirates was not what it was.
0: so tired of all this intolerance.
1: Uh, The growth of piracy would really be its downfall. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got more people turning to piracy, which means more people getting annoyed. (laughs) You got less ships to pillage, Mm -hmm. which means less ships to go around.
0: They flooded the market.
1: You're putting a strain on the trade. Uh, Countries got more and more fed up with piracy. Also, uh, they started to turn away from, you know, mercenaries, and instead there was a rise in national armies, Mm -hmm. so thus you could take sailors back and put them in the Navy. There's also harsher punishments for suspected pirates. For a long time, you know, there was to, like, really try a pirate, um, you know, evidence and suspects, like, had to be, you know, go back to, like, Europe or England to be tried, well, parliaments had commissioners in the colonies to try them right then and there. Pirates weren't allowed to have representation. Thus, they were just, you know, hung without much of fight. That seems
0: pretty efficient. don't oh, you know? No.
1: Also, there were certain changes in rules where, like, ships that were being attacked by pirates, um, you know, you would be able before to be like, oh, just take the stuff. I don't want to do it. Well, <laughs> it started to be more, like rules and consequences were like, you must fight back or we're going to put you in prison for not fighting to protect your cargo. Thus, there was a lot of things, like, working against them Mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, different areas coming down on them.
0: Back in my day, you could just light fuses in your beard and they'd throw the money at you.
1: Now they actually (laughs) want to fight you. Man, things are getting hard. (laughs) So all this led to... The Golden Age really ending, and mm-hmm. yes, pirates continued, things kept happening, but not in the same extent that this was.
0: But then came the Silver Age of Piracy, that it had all these really weird, like, bizarre plots, and...
1: Yeah, like, you know, that's when we started getting lots of curses, and you turn <laughs> into, like, skeletons, and, like, mm-hmm. weird shark people.
0: Well, no, skeletons weren't allowed because of the Pirate's Code Authority. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's that's that. Pirates! So, did you learn something?
0: I learned some things about pirates. Yeah. I learned that the best way to get by in a man's world is to pretend to be one. For a limited time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then, no, no, not a man. Not a man.
0: I am way too pregnant to be hung.
1: You can't. I'm going to use this right here.
0: The cops are coming. Honey, we got to go right now. Go.
1: Come on, come on. Hand's off. Let's go. God, I kind wonder if sometimes they plan that. Like, <laughs> like I feel, I feel like they're getting a little close. Let's let's make sure. Because real, I mean, a lot of times that was the only way to like not die, <laughs> to be pregnant.
0: I always think the most interesting thing about uh, pirates of this era, uh, especially, is how democratic you know the, the ships were, and they were. You know, there's a, a sense of shared ownership.
1: Well, there's certain times even, too, with, like, the the privateer, buccaneer time where, you know, captains were actually, like, elected. Right, yeah. And there were certain um, set rules about, like, what they took, like, the plunder they took. And, like, how there was a set amount, like, a captain would get mm-hmm. from the beginning. And they wouldn't get more. And there were very strict rules about if you withheld stuff. Yeah. It's not, like, a free-for-all, like, you think.
0: And you compare it to, like, the... the uh rank and file of the Navy of of the day as basically indentured servitude. Like, the yeah. state owned you for your term yeah. of service.
1: Well, that's why so many people turn to piracy, mm-hmm. is that the situations they were put in in the Navy or even just working for a merchant was so strict
2: mm-hmm.
1: with very little money coming out of it. Or, you know, they were had to sign a contract for years of their life Mm -hmm. that you wonder, like, of course they wouldn't want to do that.
0: Pirate ships. The labor unions of the high seas.
1: (laughs) Some cases,
0: yes.
1: (laughs) Not all cases are that great, but yes.
0: It's always useful to look at crime in any sense as just another market, just another segment of the economy yeah and and so you see how these things rise and fall with uh legitimate shipping it It's all responding to the same sort of supply and demand curves,
1: yeah definitely, and like you know how many times we talk about it here where like piracy grew out of people being unemployed,
2: mhm,
1: a war a war <laughs> not happening like
2: yeah yeah there're
1: just crime doesn't just happen, crime <laughs> is influenced by things.
0: It's influenced by things.
1: It, well, it's yeah. like, you know, your environment, your situation, mm-hmm. uh what is happening in the economy.
0: Availability of ports.
1: Availability of ports, yes.
0: And with that, we're gonna take a quick break and be right back with your letters. Woo! <laughs> How are you doing, everybody? I'm good. Are you sure? Because your face is telling a different story.
1: (laughs) So we got a letter from Tim. We did. Hey, Tim. Tim's uh, a recent listener who got caught up. Way to go, Tim.
0: That takes some dedication. And so, Tim has a bunch of prompts. Uh, They'd like to answer lightning round style. Favorite superhero? Superman. Superman. But his all time favorite comic run was uh, Denny O'Neill's Question. So yeah, pretty cool. A favorite futurist idea, the original Tom Swift books, that, that combination of goofy technology and endless optimism. Very charming stuff. Favorite political speech, Nellie McClung's Mock Parliament, where there was a public play detailing the danger of giving men the vote.
1: It's dangerous. It's
0: clearly. And Tim wraps up uh, the letter by asking us a question. Since Disney seems to be a somewhat popular topic, what current or recent project would you say is the best or your favorite?
1: Oh, you answer first.
0: Well, Tim's answer is Star vs. the Forces of Evil.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, 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 if I'm I, going like current, ongoing thing. That would be it. Yeah. Uh, though Gravity Falls is no longer currently going. And I think that Takes it for me. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, I'd have to say that the current run of Mickey shorts that's been <gasps>
1: oh those three are so or four good. Years into it,
0: and they're fantastic. They're so good. And I like that Waypoint Presents exists. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, that is that is really a Disney thing.
0: Slickly produced, uh, uh, Vice Media documentaries on video game stuff. Yeah. From Waypoint, their their video game vertical editor in chief Austin Walker.
1: I'm glad you like Star.
0: <laughs> so thanks, Tim.
1: I was Star. You were. I was Lord Smath, uh or Lord S M A F. I don't know how you want that said. Uh, sent us an email for this prompt. Um, they assumed that someone else probably picked Blackbeard.
0: You're wrong. And no one, no
1: one, no one did actually. So they were going to go with Francois Launay uh, or the Bane of Spain,
0: who plundered mainly in the plane
1: i like that uh who actually cut out the heart of a spanish soldier and ate it and then ironically was eaten by cannibals himself
0: you, you live by the eating people's body parts you die by yeah eating you know
1: body it parts. just comes full circle there that's
0: a proverb right there
1: i think that's a great pick um yeah so thank you for emailing thanks lord smith uh jared sent us Uh, Also an email about this prompt. And uh, their pick is William Damper, explorer, naturalist, and three-time circumnavigator of the world. Uh, Was a privateer for England and also helped rescue Alexander Skelkirk, the supposed inspiration for Robinson Crusoe. Uh, And then to answer past prompt of favorite fair, they're going with Expo 86. Uh, which they were able to attend twice as a child, and some of the uh things still exist, uh such as the Sky Train, uh Canada place, which was the Canadian Pavilion, and uh is currently Vancouver's cruise ship dock, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Jared. Kieran writes in again to talk about uh his favorite prophecy and favorite pirate and provide links to articles he wrote on each so you can check out those yeah. in the show notes. So the, the prophecy was by Henry Prince, leader of the uh, which was a, a Christian cult. Henry said that he was the Holy Spirit made flesh and that uh, as a flesh Holy Spirit, he would give birth to a spiritual Messiah, a reverse of the, the uh, Jesus conception in the Gospels. Uh, so he publicly performed this conception, you might say, on a, a pool table, while the con- congregation surrounded him singing hymns, which is something that uh, a lot of people left his his church following this sort of fiasco. There there are more adventures beside. I don't want to spoil the article. It's good stuff. <laughs> but his favorite pirate uh, is Ching Shi.
1: I almost wrote. About her yeah almost. that was almost a big part of this episode
0: uh a Chinese woman born in seventeen seventy five who uh became a pirate when she married pirate commander Cheng uh at age twenty six and their her, her fleet rose to the size of eighteen hundred ships and defeated the Portuguese navy yeah. uh whenever they would clash yeah. Uh, And we're going to hear more about ching in our next letter. So I'll save that and say thank you, Kieran.
1: Uh, Peter sent us an email and it was also one that was going to go with Blackbeard and then decided to go with a different one, which is uh, Ching-Chi. Stick stick with your
2: instincts.
1: Yes. Um, Which, I mean, she is fascinating i honestly like did not write about it because i just felt a little overwhelmed for this episode (laughs) i was like well i think she could have her own episode um but kieran has an article he can just read that instead um so one thing that's really interesting is that she and her crew because they were so good at what they did (laughs) uh they got they were offered full pardons so they would stop doing what they did.
0: Oh, murdering people.
1: Yeah. Okay. Which they accepted. And so she, unlike many others, you know, other pirate captains and stuff, didn't die. None of them died. Instead, they all, like, retired with their money and went off and did other things, which is pretty great. Be the best you can be.
0: So you get to live. So you
1: get to live. So thank you, Peter. Thanks,
0: Peter. Uh, Rebecca S. wants to catch up on a previous Uh, prompt favorite prophecy uh, to talk about how much she enjoys chosen ones in fiction in particular harry potter when you see that it might not have even been about him Mm -hmm. which is a a fun little wrinkle and as for favorite pirate you gotta go with captain jack sparrow or maybe yep. Anne Bonnie or Mary Reed, or again, Blackbeard. Yeah. There's a lot to choose from.
1: Well, I only have a lamp of one of them in the bedroom.
0: Yeah, and it's Mary <laughs> Reed. It's really <laughs> weird. Freaks I me know, out. I don't
1: know how I found that. <laughs> um, Thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> things that get left over from college. Uh, Alex sent an email in uh, and predicted part of what this episode was going to be about, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. Good job there.
0: I don't think so many people have ever gotten, have ever guessed correctly. I told
1: you, most famous female parts. Also, Alex is really excited for Gextra Life. So are we. So uh, looking forward to you joining us, Alex, and the rest of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you for writing in.
0: James writes in, and some of his favorite pirate characters are are some that he came up with. One uh, with his friend that they called Texas Bones, mm-hmm. uh, as well as more well-known fictional pirates like the Straw Hat Crew from One Piece, the Dread Pirate Roberts, the Pirates Who Don't Do Anything, which I think was from Veggie
1: Tales. I think so. All
0: right. Uh, the Pirates of Penzance and the Pirates of Muppet Treasure Island. Not... Regular Treasure Island.
1: No, Muppet, Muppet Tre-
0: Treasure Good Island. Good pick. Like dead, dead Bob. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, referring back to our last episode, uh, note I said about the, the prophecies of Daniel being about Antiochus rather than things yet to come. Uh, he, he points out that uh, a lot of things in the book of Revelation are specifically about the Emperor Nero rather than things yet to come. Huh. Which, yeah, that's that's true. If you ask a a biblical scholar who, who approaches things from a, a literary and historical viewpoint, at least. So yeah, thank you very much, James.
1: Uh, Caitlin um, has. Been a little behind on our podcast, but has caught up and is answering a few they prompts here. They don't
0: expire. Here. It's fine. It's
1: okay. It's okay. There's no pressure. Favorite homes adaptation is, uh, the TV show Elementary. Big fan of Lucy Lou as Watson.
0: Everybody loves Lucy Lou uh, as anything. Yeah.
1: Favorite fair, uh, is a local one that was around when Caitlin was a kid. Uh, there were little Shetland ponies you could pet and feed, Aww. which sounds really cute. Uh, and then uh, for favorite fair, Expo 88 uh, came to their city of Brisbane. Uh, the area that it was in is now the cultural precinct, and a lot of the artwork still exists, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Love when stuff stays stays around.
0: I-, I love the idea of a fair that just pops up sometime and then leaves a little bit of itself behind. Yeah. So it can sprout and grow culture everywhere. Yeah.
1: We, we don't get much of that here. So <laughs> like stays. Not a lot stays.
0: There's one thing left, and that is controversial.
1: Very controversial right now. Talked about it before. For the prompt from this uh the last episode, they have to mention the Oracle of Delphi from Greek mythology for uh prophecy and also some some Harry Potter
0: mm-hmm, in little there. Little glass balls.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So thank you, Caitlin.
0: Our final letter this episode comes from Drake Pegasus, whose favorite fake pirate is Monkey D. Luffy of One Piece. A lot of One Piece love in this mailbag. Uh, Favorite real pirate, Blackbeard. Favorite real fake pirate is the version of Blackbeard in One Piece. Yep. There you go. Just synthesis. Thank you very much, Drake Pegasus.
1: That's all our mail. That's all our mail.
0: So, uh before we get to all of our closing business, we we thought we might have a little bonus content. I, I guess.
1: guess. Yeah, a little follow-up.
0: <laughs> yeah, so like like I intimated uh what two letters ago. Yeah. Uh the Balbo Monument is suddenly in the news.
1: Suddenly people know it exists. Uh <laughs>
0: It's all our fault. It- uh but but with the wave of ire coming up across the country for uh, Confederate monuments, mm-hmm. uh, and them being torn down. People in Chicago are are waking up to the fact we have a literal fascist monument Yes, uh, on our gorgeous lakeshore, and saying that, you know what, that probably shouldn't be there either. Yes. And so we thought we'd share our thoughts on that situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with the conclusion to... to just say where we're coming from on this, it all comes down to how much of it you see as a monument and how much of it you see as an artifact. Yes. And we've are we we've had this discussion before, so yes. it's going to sound more like a, a summary than an actual yeah. thing. But I think we, we were both in total agreement that the column itself, the Roman Republican column, mm-hmm. should be preserved in
2: no matter some way what. or
0: another, no matter what. Yes. But we disagree on what should happen to the the pedestal it is on, the pedestal that has the inscription from Mussolini, yes, etc. Yes.
1: Do you do you want to say what you?
0: I literally do not care what you happens to care. it. I so... I think something should happen. I don't care if it gets ground to dust. I don't care if it gets preserved in a museum with with additional context. I kind of don't care if it gets left there. Although that would be the worst result, in my Mm -hmm. opinion.
1: So my, and it might not be the popular opinion, (laughs) my view of this is that it is, um, though, yes, it is a monument to something, it is more of an artifact. It is the only thing of its kind within the, like, this was a gift to Chicago that was from the World's Fair. It's in its original spot. This monument has a stolen piece of ancient history Mm -hmm. that a fascist put on top of a thing, praising himself, and then gifted to another country. I I think it is
0: interesting the way that this is an emblem of uh, uh, revisionist history.
1: Yes. And I feel like – because this isn't just another – Just a like a multiple cast piece of something. It's not a statue. It's not
0: the mass produced garbage that most, nearly all Confederate Confederate, monuments are.
1: This is like such a unique combination of things from history. Not necessarily, not good things, not good things. We recognize that. I feel like it should be left intact it does not need to be left there i feel like it would do much better being put in a museum with context about Mm -hmm. everything but i feel like it's an important piece of history um as an artifact as the fact of here's this fascist Mm -hmm. here's what he did here's this thing that's just sat there it's connected to the world's fair it's connected to this it's connected to that it's such like a thing to Learn off of And to connect to the time period it existed in Unlike Maybe maybe Italian Americans won't like this But unlike that Columbus statue that was put up Like that can get That's just a (laughs) statue that they cast And they stuck up on a pedestal in the middle of the park
0: It's an especially big one But that's really all it has going for it He's got a giant package
1: (laughs) And some weird like kneecap Things going on Super
0: hyper defined knees It's strange
1: um. So yeah. To me, it's it's an artifact mm-hmm. that is an important thing to learn from, especially I, the fact that he freaking stole, yeah, ancient history yeah. to shove on this thing because didn't care
0: from a democratic period of Rome. Yes. To emblemize the strength of fascism.
1: Yes. It's
0: it's completely hollow, despite being solid stone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's such like a. Important thing that I feel like if you just took the, you know, the, the pillar off of it, you lose so much of like the fact that this was what was done to this pillar. Mm -hmm. And this is this meaning that was then thrown on top of it. That makes it such a bigger message.
0: And history. Thinking to like, if it were to be preserved, where it would be put in the city would really determine what sort of message it sends. Yes. Like, if you were to put it in the Art Institute as an example of ancient art and architecture from that Roman period, Mm -hmm. it'd be very different compared to being the last remaining bit of uh, the fair in, say, the Chicago History Museum. Mm -hmm. Or uh, a bit of Roman history in the Field Museum of Natural History, or uh, anywhere else it might go.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to be done with it. I just, I don't think it needs to be in the park. I think they need to put something there to, or something along the Lakeshore to mark, like, hey, there was a World's Fair here. Yeah. That's something that does really bug me.
0: Even a more traveled bit of the fairgrounds.
1: Yes. But I feel like it's, it's not something to just destroy. Mm-hmm. It's something that can be used to learn from.
0: Yeah, to learn that there was a time when plenty of people were down with Mussolini. Mm -hmm. Or at least down enough not to make a stink about it for 80 years.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I know, like, there's a big push. There's been some protests against, uh, to take it down. Mm -hmm. Um, But I haven't really heard, I guess, an argument like mine.
0: <laughs> so, if any of our listeners happen to be Chicago aldermen, maybe take that perspective into account.
1: Think about how how can we turn this into use this as a way to learn from. Mm-hmm. Use this piece of history because it is such a unique thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just a cast statue of Mussolini. Like, <laughs> if it was that, I'd be like, knock that thing down. Like, <laughs> let's take some sledgehammers. Let's do this. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, we can rename Balbo Drive. I'm okay oh, with yeah. that. Let's do it let's, right let's now. Let's do that yesterday.
0: Rename the street. For <laughs> like, goodness sake.
1: Uh, we can also like rename Grant Park.
0: Hey, I like it. Okay,
1: can we can we call it, like Carrie Grant Park? <laughs> <laughs> What's your problem with Grant? Isn't it named after like Ulysses S. Grant or something?
0: Yeah, a nice man. Nice man. A very drunken American president.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of... uh, Douglas Park, maybe? Douglas Park. Douglas Park is named after...
0: Douglas Park is named for the guy who ran against Lincoln and and ran on a, a, hey, slavery's fine for half the country and it's been that way for a while. We don't need to change things. And they're like,
1: why don't we name it after Frederick Douglass? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what what I'm thinking of.
0: Just add an extra S on there, it's
1: fine.
0: Uh, So... With that out of the way... Long,
1: long tangent there.
0: <laughs> now now let's do our, our wrap-up stuff. Yeah, We just did letters, and if you'd like to hear your letter read on the show, either a prompt response, question, comment, just a story you wanted to tell, anything you think w- would... Be fun to read on the air. Those go
1: to podcast at gmail.com.
0: Uh-huh. And if you just want to chat with us, we love chatting with you. A great place to do that is on Facebook or on Twitter or just looking at the pictures we post on Instagram.
1: Yeah. And those are all at History Honeys.
0: We also really appreciate uh, all of our ratings and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Mm-hmm. They help out so much. And, Google and they- Play,
1: that one of you. Yeah. <laughs> It helps any uh, new listeners find us. Yeah. Catch up on what we've been doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So thank you to everybody who has, and, and it helps us out a great deal.
1: Yep. And uh, please don't forget, we have Gextra Life coming up. It's yep. coming so soon. So soon. We are going to be so tired. So tired. So incredibly tired. And again, if you can join us this weekend, awesome. If you can't, you can still make a donation before or after it happens. And you can also, uh, we'll be putting up uh, the videos of what we did for 24 hours (laughs) later on. So you can always tune in at a different Mm -hmm. point.
0: That's gextra.life. Yep. Uh, You're going to find the link to the stream there uh, on... You'll find, uh, our schedule in various time zones. Uh, you'll, you'll find, uh, some of the raffle prizes. More will be added to that page as we make them. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, that's where you can donate. Yes. To help sick kids in Flint, in Hurley Children's Hospital. Yep. $30,000. We can do it with we your help. We can do it. We can do it. So yeah, uh, in lieu of asking you to, to tell a friend or family member or whoever about this show, just for one episode?
1: Tell them about Gextra tell Life. Tell them about
0: Gextra Life instead.
1: Yeah. That's, we need all the help we can get this weekend. <laughs> like, it's rough. It is rough to do, but we are doing it for the kids and mm-hmm. you can help.
0: Oh, one more thing before I forget. A friend of the show, Mark Soloff, has written a book, and it's part of the Inkshares.com horror competition right now. If it gets in the top three pre-sales by Halloween, it will be published. Uh, the title is The Silent Scream of Melania Trump, and uh, it's about Melania Trump trapped in a nightmare version of feudal Japan. It's uh, it's something that only Mark Soloff could write. Uh- <laughs> So definitely check that out I encourage everybody to give it a shot And uh with that I'm Grant
1: And I'm Elena And history's better <laughs> with, with your honey, honey.